Check, 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 checky Mick Checkerson. There's the gain. Hey, there's the gain. Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woken Baked. And my guest today is the one, the only. Well, we're not going to talk about the guest for a minute. We're going to, we'll get to that bad mother lover in a minute. And for the record, I don't, I don't know if he actually loves his mother. However, he does have a wife and he liked her enough to procreate. So he clearly likes somebody's mother. So that's cool. All right, but enough about that dude in a minute. I got to talk about my supporters first. Up, Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive in Soldatna. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook, as well as their website, Iron Asylum Gym AK. Correction, that is the Iron Asylum Gym AK. They carry supplements from Redcon and American Operator, as well as a few other brands, and their stuff is more affordable than our local G. NC. I was at Iron Asylum this morning and tried a new pre-workout called Forged AF. It comes from Steel Supplements, and it was not delicious. However, according to a very wise man, if you are taking a pre-workout for the taste, you're an idiot. All right. It was, while it not delicious, functional. All right. I felt the difference with this pre-workout. I felt the pump. I felt more focused. Uh, my lifts, I feel, were more intense, and I just, I had a better workout than I've had recently without it. So, shout out to Brandon and Iron Asylum for keeping us in the, the really cool pre-workout sample. So, if you're ever up at uh, in Anchorage, you can stop by Extreme Nutrition. They have, if not all of this stuff, most of the stuff that we're going to talk about on the podcast as far as like samples for pre-workouts that don't come from Redcon. If it comes from Redcon, you can definitely get it at Iron Asylum. However, some other like weird brand like Vicious Pump or whatever it is, uh, you're probably going to have to go to uh, Extreme Nutrition in uh, Anchorage for that one. All right, up next, the Schnitzel Bomber located on the corner of K Beach and Poppy, rated 5 out of 5 on Facebook. You can order from them, go to their uh, Facebook page, and they have their phone number there. I feel like an asshole for not having it here, but I would recommend calling in because it takes a couple of minutes to prepare all of your food. And if you're in a rush, call in, let them know you're coming, drop uh, drop off your cash, and grab your food and get out of there. All right. What's very cool is they also have a $10 Woke and Baked special. So what that means is whatever their special of the day is, you're going to get it in sort of a shrunken, more human edible size. Like their regular their, their regular specials are freaking huge. There's a lot of food in them, and it puts you to sleep. However, you can get one of these Woke and Bake $10 snack sizes, and it's not going to put you to bed, and it is going to fill you up. All right, I just I wouldn't buy it if I was going to share with anyone. They also, if you are buying the full-priced uh, special and you mentioned the podcast, you, ladies, gentlemen, and others, can get yourself a pretty super-duper sweet-ass bread pudding made by the Mrs. Schnitzelbomber. They're really delicious. So those are made fresh every day. There's, they're, they're rotating, so you get something cool one day. It may not be there the next day, so get it while you can. All right, they're open Tuesday through Saturday from 11.30 to 8 p.m. All right, next up, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the makers of fine concentrates, cartridges, hashade, and many, many more products to include some bomb-ass flour. They also carry products from your favorite cultivators, including Alaska Blooms and Warner Brothers, as well as products from Lady Grey, Fireweed Extracts, and many, many more. Be sure to check out their website, redruncannabiscompany.com, for more information as well as weed maps for their regular stock updates. Also, by the way, if you have something that you like to mix your Hashade with, let us know. We're putting something cool together for the consumers of Hashade so that they have kind of a recipe book for cool ideas and cool mixes for their Hashade. I, I want to know what you guys are doing. I met a guy who was using it for Margarita Monday. And so that's pretty badass. If you're going to top yourself out like that, go for that. If you're going to try it with some Kenai Kombucha or some uh, Kenai River Brewery beers, man, I want to hear about that too. Let me know how that shandy is working out for you. All right. Uh, up next, 5150 Vapes, located in the heart of Soldatna. They are your home for the best prices on flavored nicotine juices, mods, as well as shatter batter. 
They're also your exclusive home for Woke and Baked t-shirts. Go in there, tell them you, uh, you want the podcast discount on the t-shirts. Get one for 15 bucks. All right. Now, before we move on to our guest for today, I have to give some very, very solid shout-outs. I had the opportunity to make it up to uh, Anchorage on Saturday for the 49th Supply Company 6th Anniversary Party. A shout-out, very solid shout-out to Fat Trophy Wife for hooking it up and making sure that, you know, like, I knew what was up when I got there. All right, want to give a solid shout-out to the performers there. Uh, Bishop Slice, Frozen Founders, there were a couple of others, but my new favorite Alaskan rapper-producer, dude by the name of Skatey P. Not to be confused with Skateboard P, a.k.a. Pharrell Williams of the Neptunes. Skatey P is, was known as Skate God. Um, his newest record, uh, Skateland, and his Skatey Perry beat tape are now, well, they're, they've been available on SoundCloud as well as, well, I don't know about the Skatey Perry. I didn't see that on, on iTunes, but Skateland is definitely available on iTunes, and it's largely self-produced. He's got a couple of guests on there, including a cat by the name of Darius, who is also performing with him at the 49th Supply Party. That cat's ridiculous. Uh, his lyrics are nice. His performance is nice, and I've never seen anyone who looked like him on stage uh, that didn't look like an asshole. Like he was just, I've never seen anyone dressed that unique on stage who didn't look like a clown. Super dope rapper with an incredible stage presence and damn it, they were all having fun. And as as a consumer of hip hop, what you want to see are artists on stage having fun. You don't want them to look like they're forced to be there because this is what they're doing. This is their chosen job. This is their chosen profession. No one is forcing them to be up there. But Skatey P and Darius and whoever that, that third dude that was up there, damn it, great show. Fine, fine performance. Shout out to John and Panda of 49th Supply Company for putting that together. Man, many, many more years of success. And a shout out to John. Uh, his wife is uh, putting out a person. Congratulations, John. You remixed yourself with the help of your bride. All right, today's guest is Nathan Preston, a.k.a. The Stoic Craftsman on Instagram and other social medias. He makes custom leather wear, including wallets, belts, and recently a weekend bag. He's a pretty interesting guy, and we've read a lot of the same books, um, to include some Graham Hancocks, Bill Cooper, a uh, little bit of uh, Napoleon Hill. It's really cool, just really cool to have this conversation. We sat down, we had some dinner at uh, Fa Diamond. Is it Diamond? But Diamond. In, uh, off of Diamond in Anchorage, I had the New York steak. And for the, to be honest, it was one of the best, probably the best $14 steak that I've had in the state of Alaska. I don't know what that's saying, but actually on this podcast, we discuss a, a lot about the, the culinary institutes of Alaska. So yeah, let us know what your thoughts are. All right. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen... Stoic Craftsman. small town. It's Fudd, right? Yeah. 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 Fudd, Fudd Diamond. Fudd Diamond. We are in Fudd Diamond. <laughs> Alright. It's the the best mediocre pho you can get in, in Anchorage. I'll have you know, sir, I don't know what bad pho is. So this is this could be wonderful for me. Like, my, this could be the best. My wife loves this place and every time I come here it's, it's, it's just decent food. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a wing joint in one of the malls that I enjoy. It's um it's like Urban Wings, something or other. It's it's in 
Yeah, it's right next to a barber shop, which, is, which isn't where you would necessarily expect to find a, a really good uh, chicken wing place. <laughs> but it was it's damn good. I enjoyed it. It was a blast. Is that a is that a Kenai Peninsula thing? No, no. This is like the only place I like the only place I I've, I've had a couple of places in Anchorage, right? Oh, it's out but here. It's out here. Gotcha. There's a it's a little shitty mall in Anchorage that gotcha. uh, has like a badass chicken wing place. See, I spent a year here before we moved to Well, so I got a little bit of what was good out here, but one thing I figured out about Alaska is it's better just to eat home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, it's going to be all right at best. Like, yeah. if, a lot of times when people are, like, opening restaurants here, they're, like, re- opening up out of, like, default. Like, yeah. Because no one else is doing it. Like, yeah. there's a hole in the market. Yeah, and the thing that I find out about it out here is everyone wants to sit down and eat. Like, there's no fast, quick joints. Yeah, um, can I get the Thai iced tea? Uh, you want like a Thai iced tea, two plus? Um, um, do you know which one it is? Yeah. No, I want to get the red curry chicken. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, can I get the, uh, I guess the, that looks delicious. Uh, the grilled chicken? It's delicious. I know. What do you get normally? Yet, man? What is your thing? I've bounced around with a bunch of different stuff, so all right. I can um, tell you if I tried it, if it's okay. Or, yeah, crispy uh, chicken sounds delicious. New York, New York steak. New York steak. New York steak. Yeah. Uh, medium. Those steam buns are pretty good if you if you like those. Yeah. 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 yeah sure. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I kind of steam bun myself out when I. I've eaten so many of them, but <laughs> so so who am I talking to? I am at Stoic at Stoic Craftsman, Nathan uh, Preston. Mystery and Enigma. Alright. <laughs> Alright. Mr. Blue Steel. Alright. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> um grew up in Vegas, uh, born and raised there. Um, been all kinds of jobs, all kinds of careers. Bounced around to all kinds of different states. I've lived, lived in Chicago for a little while. Um, went to school out there, and then I went back to Vegas for family. And then after that, I kind of got sick and tired. I mean, I've always been sick and tired of Vegas. Vegas is one of those places that you either move there because you're escaping something, or you grew up there and you want to get out and find a way to get out, or you stay there for the rest of your life. You know, kind of it's it's got that kind of small town feel as far as it kind of just sucks you in and keeps you there. Um, but uh, my wife came up here for work. Um, she liked it. I came out here for a little while, and I'm like, I can, I can live here. You know, this is my kind of feel. Lots, lots of nature, good people. And uh, about a year, year and a half later, we were out here. We moved up here, threw everything in the truck, and drove up and shipped our stuff from Seattle to to Anchorage. And there we go. So how did you become the Stoic Craftsman? Um, so I started uh, about th- almost, well it's about two and a half years now, uh, stay-at-home dad when, when my son was born. Um, my wife has the, uh, the, the benefit of making a large income to where, we could, where I could stay at home. And I was doing a drive back and forth to Anchorage every day from Willow to Anchorage. So, three hours of driving, 90 plus miles of driving every single day. Um, got sick and tired of doing that. <laughs> Not only that, I got sick and tired of wrenching. I, I was a tractor trailer technician and you get burnt out on that kind of stuff, to, you know, doing it for a long time. So, um, so I uh, made the move. We decided it was kind of the best thing for the family at the time. And I decided when I did that, that I wanted to figure out a way once I transitioned back into a working type environment to make money from home. And so I was thinking about a whole lot of stuff. I've spent a lot of time doing woodworking and all that stuff. The problem is with, with woodworking is you need a quick turnaround and you need a consistent clientele. So you need to do kind of more of the carpentry side or you need to have a lot of heavy machinery. And I don't, I don't have the space for it. I don't have the machinery for it. So doing a lot of quick turnaround with woodworking and stuff like that just not really feasible for me. So I, I did a lot of leather working when I was younger and I got a kit and I started back doing it again and I was like, yeah, this is, you know, this is fun. It just kind of started off as something extra for me to do from time to time. 
And then my wife took a wallet that I made for her for two Christmas, no, Christmas ago to uh, work. And everyone was just like blown away by it. I was like, shit, I, I can do that. <laughs> I can keep doing that. You know, that's, that wasn't, wasn't hard by any means, you know, and if everyone's blown away by that stuff, then, you know, I'll keep doing it and see how it goes. And so, uh, December of last year, I, I made the decision to uh, devote my mornings to it. And so it started off as kind of a three hour, three to four hour a day thing where I was just kind of doing a little bit of work every morning. And then it transitioned into now everyone's coming to me with these ideas that they have and I'm just trying to trying to crank them out. <laughs> yeah. So um, you've done wallets, you've done purses. Is there sort of a canvas that you haven't done that you're looking forward to working on? Um, well, I've done that Weekender bag, and that thing just about killed me. Um, that was uh, probably 36 to 40 hours of work and hand stitching. So it was uh, it was it was quite a bit of work. Um, it took quite a bit out of me. Um, I like big projects like that, but I've got to find a way to be able to do them to where it's not taking me two and a half weeks to get it done because. You know, with social media, when you're advertising with social media and, and things of that nature, you constantly have to have a presence and constantly have to be, you know, showing things to people in order to keep your business growing. And if I'm spending two weeks on a project, it's hard for me to push out content at the same time while I'm doing that. You know, so it's, it's kind of a trade-off. Like, I like doing those big projects a heck of a lot because they're extremely rewarding. You get, you go through that process and you get to the very end and you see what you've done and you're like, man, this is, this is epic, you know? Like, I can't believe I turned that into this. But at the same time, you know, you, you, you do them and it just, it takes a lot out of you. So I think kind of, I, strange as it sounds for, for a guy to say so, um, I actually kind of prefer doing like purses and stuff like that because they allow for a lot of uh, room for creativity. There's a lot of room to add artwork or you know kind of add flair to it or whatever. So that kind of that kind of stuff and long wallets. I like doing a, long, a lot of long wallets, but the, uh, the basic bifolds, the, the typical bifold wallets, seem, seem to be my bread and butter. Like everyone's been coming to me for those, so keep doing them as long as people like them. You know. So, what are your favorite, um, is there a favorite one that you've done? Like, can you point to a purse, like one, if someone is going through your Instagram page and, and they're thinking about something they, they might want to order for themselves or for their spouse, would you, would you point to one on your page and say, this is, you know, this one's my favorite, or this is, a, this is the, the, the best representation of what I do? So, the dollar bill wallet that I've done, um, that design was kind of like a, kind of like a staple for a little while there. I was getting a lot of real real good buzz about it. Um, I enjoy doing that and it fits kind of a lot, lot in really with my mentality. Like uh, I'm, I'm a bit of an anarchist, you know, bit, bit of a <laughs> bit of an anti-statist. <laughs> I dig it. Um. Um, so it, that kind of fits in with my mentality. Uh, but like if I look back at artwork wise, like the owl wallet that I did, the owl purse that I did with the green owl, like that, I got done with that and that was like, the artwork was spot on. Um, I, I really enjoyed how that one turned out. And the most recent one, the, that wolf, the howling wolf spirit wallet that I did, I thought the artwork on that was pretty, like, it was just kind of an idea that I thought out and the client was like, yeah, go with it. And I said, all right, that's awesome, man. If you're down with it, I'm down with it. And so I started on it and it just transformed into like one of those like like howling wolf t-shirts, you know, that you see it, that you kind of chuckle when you see them. That, you know, you're walking around and kind of chuckle when you see them, but you're like, that's cool at the same time. So so the dollar bill wallet is also uh, if in sold.net, they have it at uh, Vibin 907. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. if you're interested in taking a look at that, and getting your hands on that, and you live in the Kenai Peninsula, there is a, there's a pretty easy way to get your hands on that. Um, are there any, I, like, I've seen that you've done holsters uh, recently, uh, you and I have kind of discussed fanny packs, like, yeah, in, yeah. The, in the back of your mind, is there like, you know what, this is something that would be cool, this kind of backpack, 
or have you looked at a particular type of uh, hide and be like, you know what, that's a hide that I want to try? I, I want to do exotic leathers. Like, exotic leathers to me are, are pretty cool, like, you know, alligator and stuff like that. It, it's a little more expensive, um, but no one seems to be too keen on the, the alligator wallets or the, the, the python skin wallets or anything. I, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I guess you kind of have to have the name Buck or something like that if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna have a Python skin wallet. But <laughs> I'd be an interesting. Can you get that? Can you get Python skin? Oh yeah, yeah. You can buy Python skin. What's the what's sure. the most exotic thing you've seen that you're like, you know what? I can get this. Um, they have like uh, certain fish skins. They have uh, eel skin. Um, eel skin, from what I can tell, doesn't look too distinct. But I've, at home, I've got a. I just picked up some some ostrich leg. It's dyed ostrich leg, and it looks it looks like a alligator skin almost. It's got uh, big scales on it and kind of smaller scales too. So pretty pretty cool stuff. I don't. Yeah, I'm right now. I'm just kind of figuring out where things are going. Like I'm just kind of riding a wave right now. So seeing how things go and enjoying the process. Am I supposed to share the steam biscuit? Like, I don't know what the deal is with this. Right. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm good, man. I got so much turkey in there. <laughs> um, so then, so with the Weekender uh, and these, these big projects, you know, like, how long does it take for you to, like, formulate something like that? Because the, the bifold wallets are something that you've done... Uh, frequently enough that, that you know how long it's going to do. This will take a week. This will take yeah. that. Um, from conception to wrapping it up, like how long did something? Was that the forty hours? Yeah, well, no, no, not even, not even the thought process. The hours that I spent just contemplating over it. No, not at all. That was just, just straight work. You know, forty hours of straight work. Um, I had to follow a pretty rigid, like structure as far as that go. Went the weekender bag because the client that wanted it wanted something extremely specific. And so I had to kind of stick to a, I mean, I did a little bit of deviation, but it, it was pretty, pretty strict to the way that I drew it up. So I drew it up on, I drafted it out on some drafting paper and said, this is, this is what I'm gonna do. This is the idea that I have. And I gave as best description as I could. And then we went from there. Um, and by the time I was done, it was fairly close to what, what I had envisioned in my head. But usually with, with the way that it's been going lately, like uh, a client will come to me with, with an idea, like the person I'm working on right now. Um, the client came to me with the idea that, you know, uh, I, I'd like this, the, it to have these specific qualities, the rest is up to you type of thing. And so I say, okay, what, the person that you're doing this for, um, what exactly do, are they? Do they need out of the, that product? What do they? What do they need? Do they carry a lot of stuff? Do they carry little things? Are they minimalist? Are they? Do they have a whole bunch of stuff that they're carrying all the time? So, I kind of get those specific details in my head and try to try to kind of build the product around it. So that's where it's beneficial, is because I'm bringing something to the, the client, to the to the person that uh, that fits their specific needs. That's why I try to do the most. You know, when I was talking to you about your wallet, I was trying to get specifics on what you what you like. You know, the colors that you like, the the uh, the amount of cards that you carry. You know, if you if you need any special like, I've done special ID windows for military folk who show their IDs a lot. And all that, so. Thank you so much. By the, by the way, we're at Fu Diamond. Fu Diamond. <laughs> um, okay, so Diamond. <laughs> so one of the things we, we talk about on the podcast then is, is movies. What's the last good movie you saw? Um, I haven't been watching a lot of movies recently. Uh, funny, funny enough, though, I did start watching Narcos Mexico good because one. from your recommendation. So I, I uh, I've been watching that one, but I didn't know that Narcos Mexico and Narcos are two different things. Like. So I, I, I'm going to have to start in on Narcos next because Narcos Mexico is really well shot. Like I was, yeah. I was impressed by it. 
Well, they're they're also like when you get to, when you finish Narcos Mexico because you haven't seen the, the first two seasons of Narcos. There are cool little Easter eggs in Narcos Mexico that'll bring back to. Oh, okay. Um, and you'll see him like, oh, well, I really do appreciate their attention to detail when brought that guy back. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're, we're I'm, I'm glad that you're you're watching Narcos Mexico. Good show. I love Michael Pena. Have you finished the Have you finished the season? I'm like eight, eight okay. episode eight or something like um, that. They Nine. make they make reference to um, Narcos Mexico in season one of Narcos, the very first episode. Oh, okay. So they're they're very symbiotic. They okay. go together. Cool. It's it's a great show. Um, and that's I, I think one of the benefits of Netflix. Like, I I appreciate that that. Companies like Netflix exist. Like you, you can pay for that premium content. I firmly believe that anything that they give to you mm -hmm. is garbage, and you don't want it. Um, whether it's TV shows that come in 12-minute increments that only exist so they can sell you the commercials that are in the middle. Of the I think on the commercial level, you are 100% right. I think on the uh, the, the, like the YouTube level or, or things of that nature where you get free content through, through that platform. Like there are some YouTube videos or some YouTube shows that I watch on a consistent basis that are just phenomenal programming. Oh, 100%. And, and YouTube is a little bit different because the creators can monetize it themselves uh, rather than uh, when you are a writer for ABC, you are a writer for ABC. Whatever it yeah. is that they are doing, you are married and you are attached to. Yeah. So. If you're a if you're a content provider on YouTube, it's a little bit different because you're trying to get you're trying to get subscribers because you're monetizing it yourself. Um, but yeah, that's what I think about like the premium content as you go up. You, the more you pay for like your your content, whether it's like cable and now you're paying for your premium channels, yeah, um, the, the better the quality. Like you have to you have to get to HBO on cable to get The Sopranos or to get The Wire or to get Oz or any of that other shit. Get all the all the cool George Carlin specials yeah. because they're not giving you that on on NBC. Yeah, and I think whenever you get an accountant or a, a, you know a chief financial officer that steps in between the the, the creativity. You, you definitely have to. Is that a good face or a bad face? It's a good face. <laughs> okay, good. That's a good little. <laughs> couldn't tell if that was a. I couldn't tell if that was a. This is terrible. It's or? definitely like one of the best fourteen dollars steak oh, meals good. I've ever had. Okay, good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I'm gonna have to go for that one next time. It would be. I would love it as a steak sandwich. The only other option, like the only other thing we have to do while we're here. Is stop by Popeyes and see if we can get a sandwich. <laughs> I love one of my favorite things about um, about being in the military was almost every base had a Popeyes. Popeyes is wonderful. Yeah. Um, Except they didn't have it in Afghanistan. Oh, that's terrible. I was out on Leatherneck and we had uh, we had on the British side we had. Uh, Domino? No, not Domino's. Pizza Hut. Okay. But it was, it was Indian Pizza Hut. So the guys would wash their hands with, you know, water bottles in the back, and you were, you were pretty much guaranteed to get dysentery the next day. So you know. <laughs> the Army side of Ali Asalim had a McDonald's. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. You know, it was weird to see a McDonald's on an Army base, mostly because it was always like Burger King. Right? But oh yeah, it was. I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah. Kuwait and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where were you in Kuwait? I, I just did the um, the transition base. What is it out there? Um, where they ship you from Kuwait on up to your next. Uh, uh, yeah, if you're going to like Bagram, you would fly out of there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gosh dang it. I can't remember it off the top of my head. I don't, I don't remember the place. All I remember is the, uh, the stack of restaurants that they had and right next to the, the PX and the blasting hot. Sand storm that you get on a daily basis out there. <laughs> that place, I don't understand why anyone would want to live there. Like Afghanistan wasn't terribly bad. I was in the Helen Province, south south area, so it was a little bit warm down there. A um, lot, lot like Vegas, except you get dust storms every so once in a while. But Kuwait, just like it's like hot, humid, blowing sand. Like, why would anyone want to live there? I don't know. I think if you jet ski. Um, okay, so here's one for you. Um, 
I have a guy, because they see cool shit out there, right? So, I have a guy who's told me that he's uh, seen translucent UFOs. Yeah. Out, out, uh, out on off the. Kuwait area. Well, um, in, in the uh, in the Middle East, in on the Arabian, uh, in the Arabian Sea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're seeing like translucent stuff out there. So I don't know. You're seeing cool UFOs. Maybe. Maybe it's a cool spot then. Yeah. You're like. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is a hot a, spot. Then. Yeah. They're like, this is like the aliens the, are there. You know, it must be cool. All the cool abductions are happening <laughs> out there. Like. I mean, think about it. They're like building. They're they're rebuilding Atlantis out there. They are yeah. they are bringing they are they are bringing islands up from the sea. You yeah, know? The like, Dubai area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to Dubai. Dubai was cool, but Dubai had a very uh, very Vegas feel to it to me. Like it was it was the, the entire city or state or, or not state city. Dubai was there to capture your money. That's that's the feeling that I got when I was there. Yeah. So when I was in Qatar, the feeling I got was that that place, you know, like a lot of the stuff that was there, like the, the Vegas stuff, because I agree with that, um, was just dudes who like would go visit the states or visit Spain or visit wherever. And maybe they had a burger at some place, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna open a franchise. I'm gonna open up a Chili's because because uh, I had a, a burger at Chili's. I like want to share this with my brethren. Um, I just assumed that it was always like that. I just hoped that it was more of like a sincere thing. I'm bringing this to share with the people I love. You know, Chili's. And to me, that was the most depressing thing: is getting off the airport in Kuwait and expecting to see something like unique at, at the airport there and I go to, to the food court and I see a Chili's to go and I'm like, you know, come on guys, like really, this this is what you want to bring to your country <laughs> out of America? This is the best you can do? <laughs> Chili's to go? I had Nando's in Qatar, that was pretty rad, and some weird South African steakhouse that was really? pretty damn delicious, yeah. Um, so you, you were Army? Air Force. Air Force. Yeah. Okay. What did you do for the Air Force? Uh, security Forces. So I was okay. a cop. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I have a buddy, that, or not buddy, my, my brother is a, a C-130 pilot. He started off as a roadmaster. Mm. So, right. a bunch of other family sent the Air Force to. He's the one that stayed in for the longest. So which branch were you? I wasn't. You were I, I, I tried to get into the military. Um, some, some some minor health issues restricted me from from doing it, um, but uh, I ended up having upon a, a job to work, go out there and work for Oshkosh. We were upgrading some of the vehicles out there. So, the gosh, did you have some cool coveralls? <laughs> um. Different different company. Oh, bummer. <laughs> um, so, all right. Uh, do you have any conspiracies you get into? Uh, not as of late. Like, uh, I used to be big on that stuff until I started kind of getting busy with my own thing. Um, I think it's it, it was kind of a distraction back in the days, you know, just kind of something to, to enjoy and think about. Plus, I've worked with a lot of guys that like talking about that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. Trying to think of some of the some of the last conspiracies. I, I enjoy watching that, that show Ancient Aliens a lot um, because you you know you get the real crazies, the guy with the wild hair that everyone just <laughs> posts the memes about, you know, the aliens guy. Um, so there, there's quite a few things with that, that that's interesting to me, and it's interesting to me to think about the early um, the early portions of humanity. But recently, there's a book that I was listening to, um, I, gotta, I gotta look it up real quick here, and I'll see if, see if maybe you've, uh, you've gotten into it too. Right now I'm re-listening to uh, Behold the Pale Horse. Yeah, I listened to that one, um, and you know, the, the, guy, the guy is extremely intelligent, but at the same time he's super paranoid. So, the stuff about the Nazi moon bases, I recommend on Netflix, Iron Sky. Yeah. The Iron Sky series is um, very special effects heavy comedy about well, the Nazis on the dark side of the moon. Mm -hmm. And Hollow Earth, and I don't want to give a whole lot away, 
but it might be the greatest series of films that most people have never heard of. And see, the, the idea of, of the Nazi party and everything like that is, is very interesting to me, how a country, and I, I understand some of the reasons why, but how a country as small as Germany could cause such, such chaos in the world. And I mean, like I said, I understand some of the aspects of it, but there's a lot of things that really don't make sense to me, how they came about technology in such, a, such an extremely fast way. I mean, they, they, they developed new styles of fighting because up until World War II, we were, we were in a very, very much form a line and shoot at the guy across the line kind of structure. Yeah, up until, well, the first World War. I mean, like, they were even... Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever caught uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast. Mm -hmm. But he's got a very good series about the start of World War One and how, like, the Belgians, and I could be messing this up, it's been a couple of years since I've listened to it, but they were lining up mm -hmm. uh, against the Germans, and the Germans were just unloading them. Yeah. Um, you know, and they just had you know, guns that fired a lot faster. But, I mean, the, the, the Germans had um, uh, more... Uh, more technology as far as their their tanking, their their armaments, their uh, they they have rockets, which we were just starting to get into that technology at the time. Really didn't have a, a fine understanding of it. Um, they were messing with like time travel and stuff like that, and, and that, that that is verified truth. I mean, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's that's documented documented evidence that you can look into. And then you think about the fact that, that our space program then became a German space program after World War II. I mean, just where did all this intelligence and, and forward thinking come from? Because it, it just came out of the blue within a five to ten year span of, of history. Well, there were... Um, Jay Sather has a really good uh, documentary about this that may or may not be full of shit. Um, about the uh, secret space program called Above Majestic, mm -hmm. and it kind of goes into uh, into that sort of thing, where they break down the occult history and the information. Um, there's a, a, a German female, I cannot remember her name for the life of me, probably named Marion something or other, mm -hmm. but they apparently were able to open up portals and receive information uh, from the other side, like your anti-gravity machines. And according to this documentary, that is how they got that technology. Mm -hmm. But the Germans have always been very industrious people. We were talking about this on the way up there. In Rotenburg, Germany, there is a museum dedicated to torture. That means you have to be good enough at torture for long enough that we've documented torture's greatest hits and put them in a building for you to go through and see. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's just... The Germans... Germans like fucking people up. I guess is what they do. Yeah. Um, and if they can't fuck someone else up, they're gonna fuck themselves up. Um, <laughs> so like, it's it, this is the like this is who the Romans were fighting, uh, you know, in the woods. I mean, yeah. like the Stoic craftsman Marcus Aurelius yeah. fighting the Germans in the woods. But they they always refer to them back in the day, back in those times, as being almost cavemen. Yeah. They weren't. They weren't a. a they weren't. Uh -huh. See, the Germans got their their strength, their 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 uh, their power basically, their power structure by being the world's militia. Britain at the time didn't have major militaries, and that's how you've got those 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 banking institutions like the uh, Rockefeller or not the Rockefellers, sorry, uh, the, the, the Rothschilds Rothschild and the Warburgs that came about. The Warburgs were a uh, were a, uh, started off as a militia. I mean, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm probably going to get blasted on this one because I, I probably possibly could be wrong. But um, I'm pretty sure that the Warburgs started off as a militia and then turned into a banking institution. Well, you also have the Hessish mercenaries, right? Like Germans. I mean, the Germans were soldiers, right? Yeah. But as far as the technology, it's a really. I don't know. Tanks came around what? World War One. Yeah, so World War One, they were they were they they didn't have a, a massive technological presence. Um, you know, think the scales were pretty well balanced. And I understand, like I said, Hitler came up, came about with with some new tactics. Uh, you know, shock and awe, 
Shock and Awe was created in World War II. You know, just just go in and just come. The Blitzkrieg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how it was, yeah. yeah. Anyone listening who doesn't pick it up would you know. Yeah, you know. for sure. No, I appreciate the help because I, I don't I don't know all the the language. Mm. Um, so what I was telling you before is uh, Graham Hancock. Mm. He, he wrote. Um, uh, America before, which was pretty interesting, but the one that was very interesting to me was Fingerprints of the Gods. Oh yeah, very good, very, 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 very good. Um, talking about peninsulas on Antarctica, on the map. Okay, so I, I had the audiobook read by Graham Hancock, and and anytime you can listen to an audiobook read by the author, yeah. especially if the author has a cool accent. <laughs> you know, let it go. Yeah, like if Malcolm Gladwell. Was uh, was raised in Tennessee. It wouldn't be the same thing. It just it wouldn't have the same effect. But I do agree with you because even Malcolm Gladwell's books are are enjoyable to listen to because Malcolm Gladwell's voice is like like I've read his books before and they don't compare to the audio books just because he's reading them. You know. So I just got uh, Malcolm Gladwell's new book and I haven't I haven't picked it up and started reading it yet. Talking but, to strangers. Talking to strangers. But I know. Uh, I know I'm going to hear it in his voice. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, after Blink and and Tipping Point, to me, he kind of lost his, uh, his edge. It seemed like, I don't know if it's, if artists, and, and this is what I definitely strive to not do, is, is as you start to develop and start to really grow your craft, you surround yourself with a lot of, uh, a lot of people that inflate you, and I don't know if that's what happened with him, maybe. But but to me, his books don't have the substance that they had with with Lincoln Tippett Point. So I really like Goliath. David and Goliath was pretty. Good. Yeah. Um, that was for me kind of like really motivational. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you see that with artists. You see that when it's it's also a matter of, of hunger. Like if they're not, they're not starving to do it anymore. Um, are they doing it for love or are they doing it for money? Like, I've, um, There's a rapper by the name of uh, Crooked Eye, King Crooked Eye. Yeah. He said that the greatest moment that he had as an artist is when he didn't feel like he had to rap for money anymore. Um, and it was the most freeing thing. Yeah. However, for some artists, maybe it's, it's not a matter of being free. Maybe for a guy like Malcolm Gladwell, who's got his hand in like a bunch of different fires like he's got the broken record podcast he's got his own podcast he's got um all these other things going on that maybe the book isn't getting the attention that it needs um yeah yeah um so dan carlin just uh released a book um it's about how we've always how we're always stepping up to the apocalypse and, uh, so, so that's, like a perpetual apocalypse, apocalypse yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but it's everything from from viruses to nuclear Armageddon. Um, that's why I become a, a, a big fan of the uh, the theory that nuclear weapons aren't real. Yeah, it's funny you said that. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm a hundred. Well, maybe not so much real because it, I, I I do believe that Hiroshima and Nagasaki happened, but. I don't think that they have quite the potential that, that they are portrayed as. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of more, to me, and I don't know. But to me, it just seems to me like an intelligent thing for world power to do is to say that, look, I've got this weapon that can destroy everyone out there. It's extremely, extremely expensive to make. Extremely expensive to make. and. You guys are not going to be able to have it. And so what happens? You have these countries like North Korea that are coming up, and they're trying to make a nuclear weapon themselves. They're spending god-awful, inordinate amount of time and resources to do so. And maybe it doesn't even exist, you know, at, at that capacity. Maybe it's not really as powerful as it's being portrayed as. I don't know. Perhaps. I mean, like... But you look at uh, countries like uh, like Iran, um, and I don't know. I like. I guess that's that's their goal now. Like that's their state goal. If we if we don't have a, a peace thing with them, like um, if we don't allow them to, to develop their nuclear energy, then they're going to develop a nuclear weapon. Um, that's where we're at. And I think um, I'm beginning to think that 
the threat of nuclear uh, nuclear war was used to used by by big energy to crush nu- uh, nuclear energy because nuclear energy is uh, cleaner. Um, if it's handled well, it can probably yeah. be done much safer. But what we do have, we have examples of when it goes wrong. Yeah. And what if, what if those examples that uh, you know where they've gone wrong, especially in the United States, were directed by big energy? Was it? Do we really think that the Rockefellers of the world aren't above killing a few people to save their empire? Like I don't, I don't think so. I, like if you look at the the, the fact that the fact allegedly uh, you know like old, old, old Jeffster was uh, um, an, in, an intelligence asset Jeffrey Epstein um, uh, apparently allegedly he was an intelligence asset and yeah. what he was used he was used to to blackmail um, uh, heads of state heads yeah. of corporations um, important people and Actually, I have no idea where I was going with that. But just well, and, and to tie, kind of tie off on a tangent, like what you're talking about with Epstein, is, is I I said long ago, as soon as I as soon as I heard allegations of uh, you know uh, pedophilia and such like that with these upper upper echelon type individuals, and I I can't, I can't stand the idea of calling them elites because there's nothing really elite about it. It's just an individual that's managed to work himself up to higher levels of power. You know, they they managed to find ways to get to a different different level or so. But anyway, um, with it with like the Epstein situation, like to me it makes sense for that guy to have as much power as he has because he has blackmailed individuals in in ways that would destroy them if that that information came out. So like for instance with pedophilia, is if you blackmail an individual with documentation of pedophilia, you you know how control over that person. Absolutely. How, so, how did Dennis Hasper uh, become the Speaker of the House? He was a dude that, you know, a few years before he was Speaker of the House, was a wrestling coach. Uh, well, to be fair, um, here Sarah Palin was, uh, was a PTA <laughs> mom. You know, she was on the school board before she was governor. <laughs> where is the where is the talent uh, talent scouts that are that are going around finding <laughs> these people? Right? I'm like, what do you? I want to I want to know what they had on everyone. Like that's that's the thing. That yeah. If if you are if you are the the person behind, um, you know, like this elite leader, um, what do you have on them? What do you, and what do you have on someone that's already evil? You know, like yeah, someone who's already sure. a scumbag. Like, what do you have on Michael? Or not Michael Bolton? What do you have on Michael Bolton? Um, not saying there's anything wrong with Michael Bolton, <laughs> but um, and John Bolton. Like, what do you have on people who are just evil anyway? Like, or maybe they just roll with the program. Well, there's certain there's certain information for everyone that that if it came out that you know that in a power type structure to yeah. where you can you can hold something over somebody's head. And that's why, you know, to me, it, it it's funny when I hear people discussing the ideas of Orwell's book is because the, the proletariat is the normal individual. We are in technically, in, in essence, in Orwell's book, we are the proletariat because I don't have a government job. I'm not in a government structure. I don't have a... An, uh, a path of really large influence, and so I'm not, I'm not subjected to the the games that they play at at those levels. And so, once you get into the the or the the characters that are in the Orwell book, those those are government employee type individuals. Those are people that are now in a game where they've got a they've got to watch out for other people trying to get a one up on them. And so it turns into a, a structure of, of fear and and distrust, disloyalty, because you now have you now worked yourself into a system where you've got to like you've got to constantly be on the lookout and constantly be on your game. And then you've got people like let's let's say let's say Epstein. Let's let's use him as a as a potential example. He's a guy that potentially could have been luring people out to his island, getting getting 
documented evidence on them that could ruin their careers and ruin their, their lives and then using that as a way to manipulate them. I mean, imagine if you had to look out for that every single day. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> like, you gotta worry about every interaction that you, like me coming, me coming and hanging out with you on this podcast, like, I gotta worry about you now taking this information and manipulating, that would be exhausting to me. Like, to, to, to constantly be in a life like that. Like, I would rather, I would rather live in a world where we interact with people and try to bring each other up instead of try to destroy them. That's why that's why I really resonate really well with like Gary Vee's podcast and stuff like that is because he's very much that mentality where he's like, he's going around and doing the best of his ability because he's one man trying to bring up other individuals around him because he knows that there is a there is a community benefit to this doing such things. When you when you do that for someone else, you create a fan. And the biggest benefit to yourself is to have someone who is a fan of you. You know what I mean? So uh, just getting on my preaching preaching pulpit here. So. No, no, it's all, it's all good. It's not like it's not like you're you're like throwing out garbage or anything. Like Gary Vee's good stuff. Uh, if you like Gary Vee, are you familiar with uh, Tim Ferriss? No. Okay, so Tim Ferriss uh, wrote the Four Hour Workweek. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got. Uh, no, I love the book. I have not read it yet. Great book. Great book. It's uh, it's all about lifestyle design. That's what he means by I guess what he means by four hour work week. But he's got some really really good tools, um, really good ideas for productivity. Um, he's also got a very good podcast. I recommend checking it out. Uh, but he asks, you know, he asks very good questions. Tim Harris. Ferris. Ferris. Yeah. Okay. F E R R I S. Yeah, he's been on uh, the Aubrey Marcus podcast. I'm fairly certain he's been on the Joe Rogan Experience once or twice. That guy right there? That's the dude. <laughs> All right, cool. That's the dude. Um, yeah, he's uh, yeah. Dude. Um, I don't know. So if people want to find you and they want to find your work, where do they go? Where are all the places? Um, so I'm on Facebook, Stoke Craftsman. Uh, Instagram, the Stoke Craftsman. LinkedIn, Stoke Craftsman. And uh, also on TikTok, too. I post videos on there from time to time. So I've got the, uh, I've drank all the Gary Vee Kool-Aid, so I'm on all, his, <laughs> all, all the platforms that he's uh, recommending. All right. Um, so which is the one that uh, you are most active on? Instagram for sure. Yeah, that's the that's the place where I try to push everyone to. It's the it's the best platform for me to engage with individuals and also to get across the content that I'm trying to, you know, trying to get out there. Facebook is really finicky these days. Um, really difficult to use and difficult to get uh, reach to to interact with people. Um, and Instagram's still pretty still pretty on top of it. Like I can still. I still get probably about 10 to 15 percent engagement on, on on Instagram, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't mess with Facebook. I just I feel dirty at this point doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad what it's turned into, man. Because that's 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 what a mixture of, of too large of a corporation mixed with government regulation will do to you. <laughs> Multiple governments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Story. I couldn't I couldn't imagine ever existing in that capacity, where you're you are as a company almost solely responsible for a billion people's social lives on yeah. the and then have on be, fake reality and then have to be responsible with, for what those people are posting. That that to me is the biggest garbage out there. You know that you have to be that you are held liable for what another individual posts on their personal page is. It's crazy to me. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all to be held liable for something that someone else does. Which is why I post bootleg movies on other people's <laughs> Facebook pages because it gets Mark Zuckerberg in trouble every time I do it. He gets a cease and desist letter, and so that's why I do it. Um, uh, it's it's beautiful to me because honestly, the the internet is completely destabilizing and restructuring everything. Um, you look at media corporations, you look at uh, movie producers, you look at uh, companies like MGM, uh, Disney, all these places are having to completely restructure and restabilize themselves because of one thing, the internet. 
It's it's a beautiful thing. I, I love that. I love that. Um, as a consumer, it makes it a lot easier to figure out who I'm giving my money to. Um, I don't know. I. I've decided uh, I'm boycotting Disney Plus because they're because uh, they're association of ABC. Yeah. Um, Disney's always been a shady, shady organization. Well, why <laughs> was Walt Disney involved in the moon landing? Like, <laughs> I I was watching a a bunch of the 40th anniversary or 50th anniversary, whatever it was. I don't know. But a lot of those documentaries this summer, and you know, like there's Warner von Braun and Walt Disney, like. Just a couple of Nazis walking down the hall, <laughs> trying to fake a moon landing. Um, but when you allegedly, but when you go to, but when you go to like Warner Von or not Warner Von Braun, um, uh, Behold the Pale Horse, and they're talking about Warner Von Braun's secretary saying like these are all of the signs of the fake alien invasion. Um, yeah. Like they're all lining up. So to go with Graham Hancock, since we were talking about that earlier, okay. I was kind of curious on this. Are, are you one that prescribes or subscribes to uh, early humanity being influenced by an alien civilization? Or are you more of Graham Hancock's mentality of human civilization or what we perceive as human civilization has gone through multiple ebbs and flows. We've, we've gone through, through, through increases where we've gone through mass technology gains and then been completely wiped down to almost nothing, like ups and downs, or are you kind of more of the uh, humanity has gone on one level and we've had help along the way, type thing. or a little bit of both? Um, you know, I, uh, first, I, oof, that's a rough one. Um, I, th I think it's probably a combination of, uh, of both. When you start looking at ancient history and you start looking at other civilizations, there, there's all kinds of interactions with aliens. They're all they're all high five and some gigantic lizards or some greys or something like in, in you know uh, um, middle uh, uh, middle age art. There's you know, there's UFOs. You know there's all kinds of stuff. Um, there, there are all kinds of. Uh, References in, in you know in, in um, shit in like I guess it was the Bhagavad uh, Gita where mm -hmm. um, the, the yeah, alien aircraft that I was talking about having wars in the sky and stuff yeah like nuclear weapons and shit yeah so we have all I mean we have all kinds of of references to aliens in in ancient scripture that, that we all that everyone holds tight yeah uh, whatever whether whatever your faith is. Um, there's something in there. Yeah. So, but could it? But it could have. I mean, at least for argument's sake, it could have been nothing more than early civilization mixed with a Atlantean type culture that had carried over from the last, you know, the last human uprising, basically. Because the Graham Graham Hancock's theory. I, I don't know how long it's been since you read that book. But his, his, one of his theories is that Antarctica was, or could have been Atlantis. Because there was a time in, in the not too distant future, or di too distant past, when, uh, when Antarctica was defrosted. Yeah. It didn't, didn't have ice on it. There were, um, in fact, they were talking about maps in that book that had um, spots that were currently like covered in, in ice yeah. that, you know, um, like peninsulas and, and banks and stuff, and and you know now you they're they're inaccessible due to ice. Yeah. For now, um, I'm sure we can get there soon, like one day. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so there's there are a lot of people that have done a lot more research into any of it that I have. Um, so that being said, like I'm not even necessarily I don't even know that I'm married to the ball anymore. Um, to the ball, to being a round ball. I'm not, I'm not, uh, <laughs> You're starting to go down some deep holes. I'm not, now. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not saying there's a 20 foot ice wall. Um, you, do you watch uh, Veritasium on, on, on YouTube at all? No. It's a science channel. Okay. And so he's got this video where it's. Uh, it's at the it's on the space station 
and it's a guy twisting a wing nut off of a um, the space station panel, and it's a it's a T nut. So a T nut is is a screw on one portion with a T handle on the other, and it it basically gives you leverage. So what he's doing is he's spinning the T the T nut out of the panel, and it comes out of the panel and it spins freely in space because there's zero gravity. What it does though is because there is an imbalance in that that T handle, it flips its axis from from point to point. So it'll go flip, 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 flip. So the, the screw portion will flip 180 degrees and then flip another 180 degrees and then flip another 180 degrees and it'll do this continually until it runs out of momentum. Well, this happens like with any unbalanced uh, shape. So anytime you're, you're rotating something that has an unbalanced axis, it'll flip its orientation from time to time. Like for instance, if you take a tennis racket and you flip it handle to handle, it'll rotate as the handle's flipping towards you. So when I, when I heard this Graham Hancock book, I, it was right after watching that Veritasium book, there is, uh, a, there is scientific ev evidence that our poles have been flipped. So <clears throat> what is gonna happen if the, the Earth we already know is a sphere, but it's an unbalanced sphere. There's no, there's no balance in its rotation. It, so it could potentially, in essence, flip its axis 180 degrees, just like that Tina did. So what if, we're dealing with the same situation in the future is, is its axis is going to shift on us and it's going to throw the world in complete disorder. I mean, think about it. You, you, you've got satellite navigation. You've got just, just who knows the kind of earthquakes and things of that nature that you're going to deal with. So that, to me, that kind of thing is interesting. Like maybe that civilization has gone through these processes and that the earth has its normal re... The reset button? Reset button. So exactly. one of the things that they go into in um, the sequel to Above Majestic, The Cosmic Secret, which is, are, are you familiar with The Secret? The Secret, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if you're familiar with The Secret and the Law of Attraction, mm -hmm. this is that, but with pyramids on Mars. <laughs> okay. So, um, anyway, that's that's one of the things that, um, that they, they kind of go into as well is like you are able to to sort of transmit energy like positivity and negativity um but then also the other thing that they that which is more to what you were saying is they're talking about flashpoints where there are sort of um bursts like energy bursts that come from the sun yeah and that's uh like i guess that's how we no longer have mars uh another colony that may or may have uh, may or may not have been off of a, a moon of Venus or some shit. I don't know. It's a little stoned when I watched it. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, I bought it. Um, and, and it was still much better than a, than the, the Jeremy Corbell documentaries. Are you familiar with Jeremy Corbell? No. Okay, so um, Jeremy Corbell is the, um, the UFO researcher that has been on Joe Rogan a couple times recently. Once with the Navy commander and then the other time this year with Bob Lazar. Um, he did a documentary last year. It was the Skinwalker Ranch one that we watched. Um, that was uh, that was garbage. So I, I bought this documentary, uh, this Jeremy Corbell uh, documentary, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Are you familiar with Skinwalker Ranch? It's where they had all the cattle mutilations and okay, yeah. So got the, I paid fifteen or twenty bucks on Amazon Prime for this documentary, and it was about an hour and a half of the same five minutes of drone footage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so so this is the guy just narration and yeah, mixed in. <laughs> with a little bit of narration and nothing I didn't know before. Like, and then at the very end, there's a fireside chat with uh, with a, a Robbie Williams, a British pop star, who's also a truth seeker. It, you know what it sounds to me like? It sounds to me like you need to switch from podcast and get into the documentary uh, paid video thing going on. I think it's, you've already got an understanding of the structure that'll work. And uh, <laughs> we might have to... Because all I, all I hear from your podcast is all this money that you're spending watching these videos that turn out to be just completely <laughs> disappointing crap. Absolutely. In the Absolutely. Um, 
and uh, and, it, and it ruins it for me because it's it's legitimately ruined the Joe Rogan experience for me because like this guy took my money. This guy, this guy yeah, and Joe Rogan's pushing it probably like, and, hey, you know, this isn't bad. Well, they they didn't they didn't bring up that documentary. Oh, I'm sure okay. that they they covered like they're not, we're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> um, that one you rob people for. Um, yeah, ruin ruin Joe Rogan for me. Um, all right, dude. Thank you so much for your time, man. I really for do sure, appreciate man. it. Thank you for recommending this place. Yeah, for this sure. is this is Fu Diamond. Fu Diamond. Um, and I got the. What is it? Iced tea. Yeah. Uh, I got the steak. You got the chicken curry. Yeah. Red curry. Red curry. All right. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Man. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Red Run Cannabis Company, License 3A10056. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, License 4A10052. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, License 5A. 19372 5455 Kenai Spur Highway 12156 Kenai Spur Highway Kenai Alaska 99611